Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I'm your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we are joined by Mr. Jordan France. Uh, Jordan has been absolutely killing it in the space of NFTs, flipping and trading, and uh, even a couple of cheeky launches as well. So uh, we brought him on today to pick his brain and find out a little bit more about how you can navigate that space. Because if you're new to it, uh, there's a ton of things that you want to dig and uh, sink your teeth into. So Jordan is here to help us with that today. And of course, if we can ever help you with your marketing, ever help, maybe you want to launch an NFT yourself, you need to know Jordan, head over to our Facebook group, uh, www.joinmygroup.com.au, where we have all of that sort of information and more. But until then, let's jump into the show. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. That's great having you, man. Now, I always like to start the podcast off the same way every time, which is if I met you at a party and we're having a few drinks and chatting and I said, Jordan, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? I mean, it's a great question. It's um, I wish I could answer it more concisely. I think I think you know at, at a really high level, um, it's figuring out how to get product market fit and and developing offers. I mean, developing offers is fundamentally what I've done back when I was doing internet products, you know, digital products through to now, you know, in the NFT business. Um, it's very much about how do we find something that's going to resonate, how do we make it, uh, you know, rock solid offer and, and then get it out to the market. So really it's, it's offer generation, um, although that takes various forms and in different markets. Um, and of course, now that there's a, a fair amount of trading that goes on now that I've got myself busy with NFT launches, it's also about trading it. So um, I think at the highest level, it's, it's offers and offer building, but it's also now a bit of trading as well. Love that. And so let, let's dive into some of the, the trading and NFTs because I think a lot of people are now starting to see, hear, know about NFTs more and more, starting to be a little bit more kind of pertinent in society. What was the first NFT that you saw and then the first NFT that you bought into? Oh, gee. Um, man, that's throwing me back a little bit. You know, there were there are so many collections I've bought into as part of that learning experience really early on, 12 months ago, that um, you know, they were nothing now. They were they're, they're completely valueless. But that was part of the that was part of the learning and that journey. But um, I think the very first project that I really put a lot into, which you know, is a is a regret now, was called 24px Cats, and it was a derivative, I believe, of the Cool Cats collection. Um, and it was when I was still trying to figure out like what actually works and why does it work. And I, I, I took a little bit of a shotgun approach, which which wasn't efficient in the long run. But um, you know, I learned a lot through that. So yeah, it was it was a, it was a derivative project, um, which I believe is called 24px Cats. Nice. And then. So obviously you mentioned there's like a few learning experiences there, which I'm sure, uh, I mean, like in the NFT and crypto space, that can be pretty uh, painful on on the hip pocket. Once you started to understand the space, what made projects kind of good and work and, and kind of grow from there, what were some of the first ones that you started looking at flipping and trading and, um, and really kind of leveraging? Because I know that a lot of people really get sometimes addicted to, they buy in something like, oh, this project sounds amazing and they get like, really precious with it versus being like, well, 
do you treat it as like an asset? Do you try and treat it like a stock that you buy low, you know, sell high? Like, how did you start thinking about it from that perspective? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's two types of trading in this space. There's kind of the short-term trading, which is, you know, just sort of flipping, scalping, whatever you want to call it, where it's just like get in, get out and try to make a little bit of profit. And then there's that longer-term trading, which is like, okay, you know, this is a team and, and a project that I believe in. I want to park some capital here. Um, and then, you know, you kind of leave it for, for two, three, maybe six months, who knows? You know, I was a little bit late to the, the Board 8 Yacht Club and I um, saw them going at like 15, 20 ETH and I was like, you know, it's a little bit crazy. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. And that's because I was busy in that flipping mindset. I thought, you know, that's not really, for, you know, it's not really something I can flip too comfortably. Um, and I hadn't really developed that idea of thinking about, okay, good teams, longer term investment and starting to see it more as an asset. So, um, you know, when you, when you break down what those two categories are, the short term is really like, it's really just a supply demand equation. It's like, okay, um, I can see that if I manage to get my hands on one of these, it's going to be easy to move it on. Like there's a there's a there's a raffle for the allow list, for example, or you know, it's a I've got allow list through another collection. It's in some way or another, I've been lucky enough to be able to mint it or buy it, and I can see that you know what the volume's crazy, the demand is crazy, and it's very likely that I'm going to you know get in and out with a bit of profit. And that's that's how I kind of started. Mm-hmm. And then I you know, like I said, it became okay. This team has got a lot of experience. These are some really great developers. They really understand brand user experience. Um, they're really passionate about the space. They're backed by incredible investors. You know, and now I spend a lot more time looking for those, you know, 0.1% teams um, because there's not a lot of them uh, where I can kind of, you know, put a significant amount of capital behind it and, and feel comfortable leaving it for, you know, several months at a time. And um, some of the recent ones, you know, like Azuki was an example of that. I, I saw what they were doing really early on. Put quite a bit into it, but I just saw that you know these guys are well connected, super talented, really passionate about the space, and you know that was like a two month play for me, but it was super profitable. So it was just about making that shift in mindset. Really, it's it's pretty crazy when you talk about like leaving something somewhere for a while, being that two months can be a while in the space, right? It's like how have you noticed and had to adjust kind of like your your view of timeframes in the whole crypto and NFT space versus like normal re- reality. I mean, you're so right. People always talk about like one day in cryptos being like one year, you know, in the real world. And, um, you know, it's a really volatile place. Um, and when you when you choose a project you believe in and you want to back, you've got to kind of expect that it's not going to be pretty the whole time. It can't really be up only. And there's a lot of, um, you know, things that can affect the, the value of a collection. Um, but many times, you know, you'll kind of need to just stand behind your conviction. Um, I've had situations where I've put in, you know, a lot of money and it's it's now got, you know, it's gone backwards and, you know, I've got a decision to make. Do I, you know, um, panic out of that situation and sort of have to, you know, liquidate and get out? Or do I realise that, hey, you know, it's part of the market cycles. My conviction on the team hasn't changed and I sort of sit through it. Um, at the end of the day, it comes down to, look, doing your due diligence, having confidence in that decision um, and just sort of sticking to your guns a little bit. But, you know, I've been saying to people recently, it's, it's really important to have an angel investor mindset. And by that, I mean, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Have a few high conviction plays. But then don't expect them all to win. Um, you know, like for for, for for me, I see probably, you know, two or three from 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 five. If you've got a number like that, you're covering the losses and then some. And so, you know, I, I try to sort of balance that out as well. It's not just, okay, conviction in the team. It's like this one, you know, doesn't have to go crazy because I've got that spread and I feel confident, you know, over these couple of projects that something's going to do quite well. Hmm. And then how do you assess, like when you see a project that does do 
quite well and it goes and it, and it goes up nicely. What's the, is it just a personal preference from like a, well, it's hit X point now I'm going to liquidate it. Or is it, how do you know when is like too long to hold on to, or like what you will hold for a longer period of time? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it um, at this point is pattern recognition. Like I've seen so many and when and, and what makes a difference. Um, a couple of the key points to consider are, uh, I mean, first of all, a roadmap is going to be a good indication. So a roadmap for an NFT collection is to say, okay, well, here's what is coming. Or even if they've just kind of alluded to it, and it's a little bit mysterious. You know, they may say that there's a, there's a coin or a token coming or there's, you know, whatever other mechanic is on the horizon. And there's two ways you look at that roadmap. You say, well, Either A, I believe that this team, based on what they've done, are likely to execute on that really well, or you know they've pretty, been pretty sloppy. They've not really demonstrated any capability. Do I really believe that roadmap will be executed? So um, I put a lot of my um, analysis on the people behind the project, and then I say, okay, here, here are what the promises are, or, or even here's what's possible with the project. And I, I decide to back the people behind the project. You know what I mean? So um, that's where my confidence comes from. I always make time to jump on AMAs and, and Twitter spaces because there's a chance to sort of listen in to how clued up they are, how passionate they are about it. And much like if you're investing in a startup, you're looking at are the founders made of the right material to get it right. Mm. And then what's your viewpoint on where you've got, you know, obviously big like celebrities coming into the space now, like Snoop Dogg, dropping all these NFTs, you've got, you know, Gary Vee's just done his second collection. How do you assess them and be like, is it just because that person is kind of famous that they're doing well? Again, like obviously they can show pretty good roadmaps, but what I don't know if you weigh up their uh, ability to deliver on that too. Yeah, I, look, uh, fame has little to do with, um, you know, any investment thesis for me. There was a period of time in NFTs where a celebrity's endorsement was a big deal. Um, really early on, but now I think yes, some people would say that a celebrity endorsement is kind of a negative um, almost, you know, that it's just trying to pump it up and um, is not really delivering value. So that's that's an example, you know, celebrities are kind of noise um, versus signal and what you're looking for is that signal in those great teams. So, um, you know, I, I probably count more celebrity failures and successes in NFTs. It's normally a cash grab or whatever. So um, I, I don't really give that any merit unless I can see that, all right, they've partnered with so-and-so or, you know, this is this actually makes sense, um, you know, if they were building out, let's just say, a music label and using music NFTs. So, okay, well, maybe there's some merit in exploring it. But so far, you know, outside of Gary V, there's not a lot in the, in the celebrity arena that's very exciting. Obviously, he's just dropped his second one. What, what's your your view on that? Just out of curiosity. Uh, well, you know, I would. I, I think uh, Gary's great. Uh, I love his energy and and how enthusiastic he is about it. Um, I think that his direction now is more. It's almost like he wants to build a Disney Channel. Is how it feels. I was I was looking at the artwork and I was like, look, that artwork really wouldn't resonate with adults. Um, which is what I thought was interesting about the the, the next drop. But I, I have confidence that he's got a strategy that goes beyond, you know, the current market. And I believe he's trying to build a bit of a media franchise that's, you know, not meant to be necessarily profile pictures. So um, while the new style doesn't necessarily appeal to me, I think there's a bigger plan there. And I think that, you know, investing or backing Gary is not a bad bet. Mm, nice. And now, like when you are assessing projects where you're, maybe 50 50 on them like because obviously uh, recently there's been a few kind of come through where people were like mm, i don't know if they're good or or not like when they are doing the research and they're looking at the teams is there anything that's like either a big red flag or a big a big kind of like green light 
Because obviously, you know, people can put certain people that are on their team on their websites and things like that, but it doesn't necessarily always mean that's uh, that's going to be the case. No, you're 100% right. Um, you know, the absolute best thing you can do, um, I, I talk about looking for micro signals of confidence. And what I mean by that is you don't always have a chance for a team to deliver something grand to make an assessment on their ability because that's something that's generally in the roadmap. But what you can do is make an assessment on the micro um, developments. And that could be, is the website user experience just superb? Um, is the branding incredible? Um, you know, ha- was the minting process really seamless and they, you know, the ga- they got the gas cost down? And these are all things that a lot of teams will look over, but a really high caliber team will do these micro steps and pieces really well. And it was the exact same thing with Azuki. I was looking at the website and they, it, it sounds silly, but they had this really great um, gallery. And I, there was, I think they were the first collection to do a gallery in that way. And I was like, this is just super smooth. The branding was right on. And these are, these are micro signals to me of like, okay, at a very small level, they're exceptional. So I would kind of extrapolate that and say, I've got a good feeling about what they may do on a grand scale. So you're right, it's really hard to make that call until they've delivered, but I think you can find the details in work that can give you some of that confidence. And for anyone that as well, if they're just getting started in NFTs, maybe bought some that maybe have gone up or down either way, what's like, do you have a recommendation for people when it's like, well, you know, obviously they might have, let's say, an ETH. Like, obviously everyone has their own um, risk tolerance, but like, as you said before, are they kind of looking for those projects that are, you know, maybe like 0.1 or something each so that they can get four or five so that they can mitigate that? Or like, what's a starting person's kind of best uh, best foot forward that they can put out there? Yeah, I think um, what's tricky about the market is that the only, you know, collections that are very likely to go up are the collections that are already quite expensive. I mean, you know, 10 ETH or more is generally the entry for a solid project nowadays. So when you're dealing below that, you're, you're, taking a, you're taking a risk. And so when you've got that one ETH, you're exactly right. You'd want to try and spread that as efficiently as possible. I think some people would say, no, find one thing that's really good at one ETH, but there's nothing that I would call concrete that's in that range of one ETH. You know what I mean? So on with you, I would be saying that, you know, look for the 0.08, the 0.05s, the 0.1 mints. Try to spread it across, you know, you may be able to get across three projects um, and research them well. That, that's really all you can do. And the other thing in terms of mitigating or, or being efficient with your initial capital is research what you're actually getting into before you start buying. Because I remember in my, you know, when I got started in NFTs, I had a certain amount of money there and then I lost you know, thousands in gas on failed transactions. You know, I initiated my OpenSea wallet and I spent, I was like, where'd that $300 just go? You know what I mean? So you've got to have a perspective on um, what the space is like, the risks and all that type of stuff as well. So um, I would say do some do some research and know how to avoid some of the common mistakes that will be very expensive otherwise. Um, and like you said, I would try and spread that, you know, that one ETH over at least two or three projects. And should people be concerned about like the overall market where maybe their friends are telling them it's it's bearish, it's bullish, it's 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 sideways right now? How do you see the overall market kind of tie into the NFT space as well? That's a big question. I think that um, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm long on the NFT space in a sort of one to three year time horizon. I think that, you know, there's still so many more consumers to be onboarded in the space. And I think that good projects will capture that and, and do really well over the next three years. So I, I think, you know, time in the market beats timing the market with this type of thing, because I do believe it's still quite early. On that note, I think that over a, you know, sort of three to five, 10 year mark, 
the landscape will be completely different. So I'm not sure that any projects from today will be relevant for the people who are trading today, though. Um, I would say, you know, if you've got conviction in the team um, and you really like the project, that, you know, timing it is just not an effective strategy. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. And um, obviously yourself as well, you've been involved in launching and like facilitating some pretty big projects too. What what are some things for people that are out there? Because I know that these days everyone seems to think it might be uh, easy to launch an NFT project because someone told them about it and they're like, oh, well, I'm either a good artist or maybe I'm a good developer. Like, well, I should try and do this because it's, uh, you know, easy money to be made, uh, which we all know is not accurate. But what are some of the big lessons that you've learned um, from launching, you know, several quite successful projects now? Um, you know, the biggest lesson is to understand that, you know, especially marketers, you know, think that there's a way to growth hack uh, a lot of these things. And um, it's just not the case with NFTs. NFTs are very much about organic growth and community building. Um, and that takes time. And it also takes real, it, it takes an understanding of the space. Like you've really got to understand, you know, what's expected of collections, you know, the type of language, how, you know, a discord needs to be run and put in the time to really accumulate that and build that up. Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of factors to consider in terms of how your art needs to look. And, you know, the utility is a really big thing right now. I think that people just sort of copy pasting projects and saying, I'll just do the same thing with different art is not really working. Um, and people really need to start thinking out the box and building exceptional product. Um, and so, you know, the idea that it's just a quick project, it's easy money, that was probably six months ago. Um, now, you know, it's almost like any other startup, except it's on chain. It's all about that blockchain element. So number one is it's, it's, it's really about community and it can't be growth hacked as easy as marketers think um, anymore. And you need to have a great idea and you need to be treating it as if it's a startup, uh, as an entrepreneur. And it, it is 40 hour weeks as you're building it and trying to get it off the ground. And um, if you want to be successful with it, of course. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of work, but with that all being said, the upside, if you bring a great product and build a great community in this space, as you've seen with, you know, you know, Yuga, uh, Yuga and Proof and Artifact, you know, the upside is exponential. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity and, and, and a lot of, you know, verticals and niches and whatever within this whole space haven't even been touched yet. So for the people who are prepared to put in that work, um, there's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you say that because I think, yeah, you, you, we've seen in the past so many that have just come out and been like, cool, I'm copying and pasting a project and uh, for, for a quick cash grab rather than treating it, as you say, like it's an actual startup, you know, sometimes you actually have to deliver something. Whereas a, a lot of people in, in the space of crypto, because of how it's been for the last, you know, five years, even it's like, you've seen people do the whole boom of ICOs where they're just like, oh, cool, I'm going to launch a project, make money, and then just, you know, uh, falls down to nothing. So I'm, uh, I'm glad you actually made that point because I think it's, it's something that's been looked over for a, um, for a long period of time. Um, and just out of curiosity, obviously, uh, where we are currently, there's been a lot of stuff around metaverse and metaverse land in the space of NFTs. What's what's your viewpoint on that? Just out of curiosity, you know, I've got a, I've got a personal thesis on the whole metaverse land. I think that you know, going and spending a ton of money on your own personal apartment in the metaverse is 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 ludicrous um, because there's obviously no limit in terms of you know how much land can exist. There's no actual scarcity around metaverse land. I think the one value proposition around metaverse land is uh, special, um, you know, let's just say somebody were to build a shopping center and that were the metaverse. Um, you know, it was, it was a shopping based experience and there were, you know, 200 lots within that shopping center. 
that's purpose-built metaverse space, if you want to call it that. And then it makes sense because, okay, there is actually going to be, you know, traffic really there um, and there's a, there's a measurable return on that in some way or another. Um, so I think this whole open metaverse world of like getting your apartment or whatever is crazy and I, I personally I won't participate in it, but I'm a big believer in um, uh, purpose-built metaverse spaces like you know a shopping complex uh, and in that case where that where it's measurable there's going to be traffic there's a real return uh, of course you know it's like getting retail space anywhere else but um i think it's just about choosing the uh, application carefully and not getting sort of caught up in cosmetic things like a virtual apartment which serves you no benefit oh i totally agree um and now look as we get towards the uh, end of our time here together i always like to ask the same question again which is What's the question that I haven't asked you that I should have? Yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, one of the things that, to consider is about the way that crypto and NFTs interoperate. Because if you're playing in the NFT space, you're also, you've got crypto because that's how, you know, these things are trading. Um, and it's to be mindful of the cycles that affect crypto and NFTs. So uh, when you're playing in the space and you've gone and bought your first Ethereum or a bunch of Solana, you may have never dealt in these types of currencies before. And um, you probably don't realize that when particular movements happen in crypto, that's gonna have an effect on how NFTs are valued. Um, and so it's, it's just helpful information to know and, and to summarize it without going into too much um, boring detail. Um, you know, in the realm of crypto and NFTs, the crypto, which is effectively your liquidity, that's considered safe uh, relative to NFTs. And so, um, you know, when, the price of Ethereum is shooting up or quickly falling down. Uh, NFTs are going to do very poorly because people are, oh, you know, I need to get my money out. And you can't just go from NFT to Australian or US dollar. You've got to go NFT into ETH and then you liquidate it from there. Um, and so it's really important to be aware that, you know, you might have bought an NFT that you really believe in, um, or even if you just wanted to flip it and, you know, this kind of market fluctuation happens not to panic, to be aware of it, and, and maybe even to consider doubling down. I mean, it's happened to me where it's been, okay, Ethereum's having a bad day and everybody's selling and there's a whole bunch of panic. Actually, this is a great time for me to go and buy more of this NFT, conscious of it really just being a panic sell um, type of situation. So um, these are the types of things you learn uh, in time in the NFT space, uh, but it's actually a really helpful one to know if you're uh, you know, first time getting into it and, and not so familiar with the cycles. Amazing. Love that. And now for anyone that's been listening and they, you know, that maybe they want to know more about what you're up to, or they're curious to know about more about NFTs and whatnot, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? Yeah, sure. So I, I keep all of my links on uh, jordanfriends.com. So um, whatever the socials and everything else is all there. So if they want to connect or learn more, that that's the place. Beautiful. So guys, wherever you're listening or watching this, check the show notes above or below. We'll have uh, links to Jordan there so you can go and connect with him and find out more about what he's up to. Um, and if you know someone who's been talking to you about NFTs or something like that, share this episode with them. Make sure that they get a little bit of uh, Jordan's wisdom into their ears. And Jordan, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. What a pleasure. Thank you, man. We Hopefully we'll do it again soon. Sounds great. Cheers, mate.